0: Welcome to So What Do You Do, a podcast where we talk to people in different jobs to learn different ways there are to make money. I am one of your two hosts, Jen. And I'm Joyce. And that's your second host. Um, We'll decide if we keep in my botched intro. Um, (laughs) uh, What's up, Joyce? How's your week? It's Good. Good, good,
1: good. Yeah, we could start up like a blooper reel. I feel like I already have a few.
0: We've never made any mistakes.
1: Yeah, never. Honest.
0: We're we're perfect. Re- we're perfect and that's uh-huh. how people should be is just perfect, never <laughs> make mistakes. That reminds oh me, I, I am trying to get back into therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I'm
1: actually at my standing desk and actually standing. That's really.
0: I mean, a round of. A, I'll, I'll add a sound effect of standing ovation. Um, standing ovation. Yeah. Wait, standing ovation. I didn't. Oh I didn't. shoot. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Um, Joyce, did you hear about this golf guy this weekend? Which one? This Michael Block. Yes, the I'm obsessed. PGA. I'm obsessed. How did you hear about this? Okay. I was so confused because TikTok was trying to force feed me this golf stuff. And I was like, no. And I didn't understand why it thought it wanted me to see it. But I think what my algorithm uh, knows I like is heartwarming stories. Oh, okay. And so mm-hmm. I actually watched one of them and learned about this guy. And yeah. it's, it's a fairy tale. It's the sweetest thing. I would like completely
1: fell in love with him. I'm, I'm shocked that you brought this up because I was like, wait a sec, is TikTok <laughs> – Hearing us together and like connecting you to golf stuff because I watch too much golf stuff. Like that'd be. Crazy. I really
0: think it's just they know that I love a heartwarming story, so yeah. that's what I get. But I, when I saw it, I think it was this morning for the first time. I was very excited to bring it up with you because <laughs> you're so you're Miss Golf. <laughs> I'm so excited
1: that you brought it up because I was glued to the TV. On Sunday, and just hearing all about it because, yeah. He, so he, as you know, he's not like the person who won the big tournament,
0: right? But his sto- but he, he still stole three hundred thousand dollars. I didn't know yeah. that you could come in fifteenth place and win three hundred thousand dollars. We got to interview a golfer because that's <laughs> a way to make money. <laughs> yeah,
1: he One stole win. the show too. Like, like everyone was talking about it. Everyone was watching him. Um actually this is a different kind of segue but I'm super curious about what our guest has to say because our guest is also um kind of interested in the golf world. I don't know if you actually golf, but um we went to a tournament a local tournament um at the same time we unfortunately didn't run into each other. But actually let's bring on our guest because I'm super curious. Jade, yay! Jade, do you know the story?
2: Hi, Jade. Yeah, I I do know the story of Michael Block. I was also excited to learn about the amateur track into like PGA Tour. I'm still a little confused how that even happened, but it's amazing. Mm -hmm, TikTok
0: mm -hmm. has produced some really great videos that break it down because I was like, wait, he's PGA professional. But there's like 29,000 of those and there's like 200 PGA people but i mean it's cra- i i kept on wa- i kept on getting served the uh hole in one and they oh call it um what is it called like when it just dunks in I think they yeah it's called yeah, like it, a swish it,
1: Oh i didn't even know there was like a technical I always heard dunk like it just gets dunked in dunk
0: Someone, I I thought I heard a different way of saying it, but I didn't even know that that was possible. I know, right? To just because you don't. Mm. It was. It was there so magical. There. It was such a like. It, it was
1: so perfect, and like, oh, that hole in one was amazing. But anyways, <laughs>
0: I could talk but about th- this th- forever. <laughs> This is a fun, uh, uh, we don't normally do intros like this where we yeah. don't immediately launch into our guest career. So now we're, we want to learn more about our guest's career. Hard segue into wow. Jade, would Hold you on. like to introduce yourself and tell
2: us what you do? Yes, I would. Um, well, hi, uh, my name is Jade and I am a learning professional. So I've been um in learning development and talent development, leadership development, uh, all kind of related to people's careers and uh, working in tech mostly, uh, but that is my career path. Happy to share more. So excited. And not really to golf, but I do like (laughs) golf. (laughs)
0: It's good to know. It's good to know that people that are in learning development... Might like golf. Um, okay, so here's my question because all of the people that I've met in people roles, especially when you start talking about talent development—not necessarily the hard HR stuff, but like people development and all that—there's always this journey to get to that point. It's never I graduated college or you finish your schooling and now you're in people. So, can you talk about how it was that you? decided upon taking this path.
2: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes, I I can and I will say I definitely have a winding career path, so learning along the way and I think this is why I ended up in the role I am because I am just a constant learner. Um, um, really quick. I want to yeah. uh,
0: maybe suggest to the learn, uh, to the listener to have a drinking game. And anytime we say learn
2: learner, oh my today,
0: uh, or learner, you just take like a sip of whatever you're drinking. Um, I and, water. Uh, yeah, this is about hydration hydrated. people. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry for that. Um, completely unnecessary segue. Jade, tell us about the winding road.
2: Yes. Uh, winding road. So I started my career right out of school and actually in the Department of Justice as a paralegal. I thought I wanted to go to law school and Hmm. I then took a little turn. I ended up at a research and advisory consulting firm and was doing a lot of research, uh, especially around like internal communications and external communications teams. And that was actually where I started really getting excited about like executive communications change management uh the way that employees were you know learning about new changes and programs and and whatnot in their companies and so that also that role took me out to the bay area san francisco and to startup land and so similar to a lot of people were like i'm curious about startups and i want to work at a startup and um, that role allowed me to actually someone took a chance on me at a startup, uh, to be an HR generalist essentially. And I was able to do like all these different HR roles within a really small, scrappy startup team. And in that role is where I got my first taste of building out like our first manager trainings and manager development programs. And that then took me to another startup where I was building out more HR, recruiting programs, trainings, essentially Learning and development. There's a a drink for you all. Mm -hmm. Um, The um, that path was primarily started with like focused on building out trainings and delivering trainings to employees and managers, uh, and then ended up at a company called Hearsay, where I was the first learning and development manager, focused on all of the learning programs uh, at that company, and then ended up going as a learning partner into another role uh, at a team, awesome team at Slack. And then here I am, lots of focus on learning and program building mm-hmm. and program management. Uh, awesome. <laughs> so then for, for I feel like for us, because the
1: three of us have worked in like similar industries and have come across these terms before, especially when it comes to like, cause Jen and I have both been in management. Um, and so I'm curious, like if for people who don't know what is all entailed in talent development. Um, Can you say more about like what type of projects that you work on and what your main focuses are?
2: Yeah. So I'd say talent development covers pretty much, it, it thinks about the entire employee life cycle. So from when you first started a company, your new hire onboarding or the initial trainings that you get, that could be compliance trainings. It could be culture immersion trainings to understand the values of the company. It could be communication trainings. it could be um, just kind of that like new new fresh I'm a new employee taking on this role type of uh, upskilling. And then you have lots of different kind of throughout your, your journey as an employee at a company, any of the other trainings and, and career focused programs like uh, more soft skill programming, um, feedback or how to have tough conversations or, uh, project management type trainings. And then you also have more technical type of learning. And typically it depends on the size of the company, but, um, a lot of say, uh, more technical trainings are done by someone who specifically is a little bit more upskilled in that, that space, like say a software engineer will get training on, um, more technical training from someone that has been part of an engineering org and then you also have people manager type training uh, you have uh, and, and I say training because a lot of it is like that's the the type of it's like a creating workshops or delivering like a point in time type of training you also have team building things like I one of the the things that I did a lot was working with leaders of a department who wanted to bring their people together, especially now, right, with all the things with the shutdown and pandemic and bringing people together to connect. And oftentimes a component of that connection and, and an offsite or an on-site or a planning meeting is that component of learning together. Right. Uh, so that was part of what I would do too. Um, and then also a lot of it is talent development is also taking – practices and trying to make them more consistent or shareable. So like how to have a really good one-on-one um, meeting, say between an employee and a manager, being able to distill some of the, the practices that are happening and make them like more accessible resources that people across the company could use. Um, so oftentimes you see like a talent development team owns a, what was what's called an LMS or a learning management system where that's where lots of trainings are housed or resources and templates are housed. Um, or same with, you know, like a, an internet of sorts to mm-hmm. a, a learning team oftentimes owns a lot of those different systems because they're the more centralized place where like all of the information resources come through for teams, Let me...
0: employees, cetera, To use. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, I didn't realize how much it overlapped, but at, um, at one of the companies I was at, uh, I was tasked to do the learning and development, but I wasn't in HR. And Mm -hmm. so we built out like all the trainings, we did the people trainings. It was mostly for the entry level employees. Um, and we used something called learning 360, which was a pretty, uh, like under the radar LMS, um, I'm just name dropping at this point uh, to sound cool, but uh, like, I know this. I want it. I'm I'm like, what can I say to like make it sound like I get it? But uh, but my question to you is: you build all these great trainings, you do all these great things, and how do you make sure that people are? you know uh, digesting them the way that you want to or you're not just making all this amazing stuff and then it it goes nowhere or it doesn't make an impact like what's what's the work done there to make sure that all this great stuff that you guys do actually makes an impact
2: mhm that is such a good question and i will tell you it's so easy to make content to make trainings to internally as like a people team be like we are awesome we've created all this amazing content um and then so much of the work that actually you do as a learning partner to the business or a people partner to the business is that honestly it's kind of like a marketing branding component to it mm-hmm. to yeah. get people's eyes on it to get people to take that training to sign up for it to show up for it even if they've signed up or say the managers told them like, you should go to this thing. Um, so a lot of work is like kind of like grassroots trying to find your champions within the company, like a Joyce, for example, um, someone who really like knows how to, or is enthusiastic and engaged with, um, some of the skill building that you're doing or creating the programs and to be able to bring that to their teams. Um, and then it's, I think, really creating, like, very strong feedback loops to mm. get a sense of, like, what's actually working, what's not. Um, I would also say, like, I think what really helped me coming from a research and consulting background was also being able to do a lot of research on the front end to say, what what actually is, like, a best practice in the industry right now? Or, like, what's, what is you know, what's looking ahead, what's going to be needed in the future. And I would say it's constantly changing. So obviously, it's very hard to do that. But to think about like, how you bring in other um, practices, other ideas from different third party resources, and, um, or really understanding like, who's a really great vendor for this specific thing, because you also Mm -hmm. understand is that oftentimes, a learning person, or learning professionally, like you're, you can't do everything, and you can't be the master of all of the different topics so Mm -hmm, also mm -hmm. you know who do you bring in and then i would say a lot of it too is is working really closely with like a strong stakeholder team and when i say stakeholders like the other people team team members that are important Mm -hmm. like the the people like people partners or hr business partners who are really closely aligned with leaders in the business or Mm -hmm. um the people operations team or the people analytics team if the if your company is big enough to have one to kind of like make sure that all the different things speak to each other so it doesn't feel like this program that you've created or this talent development function exists in the silo because at the end of the day like that then it doesn't actually resonate with anyone yeah it's gonna mm-hmm. be like an audience for what you're putting out so that. Is a very long-winded answer to your question, Jen. I don't even know if I answered your question.
0: No, you did. And for a second, when you were like, uh, "It's easy to," and I was like, "If she says it's easy to get people to nope. enjoy, because <laughs> really there's to like show this up mandatory to the that they up for, <laughs> yeah, it's easy yeah. to show up, but <laughs> yeah, it's like that. Uh, what was it? there's this meme? It's like. Uh, uh a something something party is a something something party because the something something party is mandatory. Yep. <laughs> I'm i you know, I that's that that's not, rock, I right? Should, no. Something like that, yeah. But I think this is just a reminder to not uh bring up memes that I don't know the whole thing of it <sighs> and uh whatever. Uh but I've been uh I've been hogging all the questions. Joyce, I wanna open up the
1: yeah, space sure. for
0: you to ask questions too.
1: Yeah, actually, Jade, you did touch on a little bit on it, and I wanted to follow up because the breadth of content that you just talked about as your area of responsibility is massive. And so I was like, wait, there's no way that you're like, uh, like an expert in every piece of that, like an expert in onboarding, an expert in kind of like the HR side of things, the um, the expert in like the the even like um. Career development, or what's it called, the um, performance management side of things too, right? Um, and you said that like there, that your skill around research has come in handy. I'm curious, like when if you were to describe kind of like the where you where you want to be an expert in in that role, like what are the skills that kind of come to mind, and what are the the kind of focuses around like how you would see yourself as an expert in this category of things that covers so many other things.
2: Yeah. Um, I will say, I think I've fallen into, or not even fallen, I've found my way into this amazing type of role because I know that there's always so much to learn and I'm always mm-hmm. growing. And I think it's like the type of mindset that you have to have in this type of role too is it eh. You know, like that growth mindset. Like there, there's never. You can always flex. You can always learn. You can always find new ways of doing things, and you also have to be, I think, very open and flexible to, like, things changing, right? Mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. um, I would say, you oftentimes, I never feel like I'm an expert in anything. That's also a little bit of my own imposter syndrome. I think, like, you know, it's like I'm never an expert, so I'm always doing things to grow. Um, But I would say like there are so many different avenues that you could take in this talent development space like you and it really, I think, depends on where you feel the most energized, what you become most passionate about. Like For example, there are people who become really passionate about creating e-learning experiences Mm -hmm. and only understand like really diving deep into creating like online trainings essentially and that's a completely different skill set than someone who's really passionate about facilitating connections in person between Mm. groups of people or like building out team building and um, really helping a team say that is a little disjointed to become way more better at working together and understanding how they work. And that's like, those are completely different skills. But then you also have someone say that becomes really deeply engaged with coaching leaders. And that's like Mm -hmm. a completely different path also within learning. Um, And then you also could have someone that, you know, is really excited about creating like processes or like timelines Mm -hmm. or connecting the dots between all these different programs. And that's someone else too. Like a learning program manager is different than a facilitator is different than an online learning designer, you know, they're, they're just different things and, and if um, I could just interject mm-hmm. on that, can uh, it with it like if someone were to per,
0: uh, pursue a career like this, are they able to go into something very specific, like each of the things you mentioned, or do mm-hmm. they need to be nimble and be able to do a little bit of all of it?
2: Yeah. I, I think it would really depend on the type of company and size and also the culture at the company. It depends. Um, I would say at a much bigger company, and especially, uh, I mean, I, I I can only honestly speak for my own path, which has been primarily in tech. uh, At a much bigger company, people do get to become much more uh, deep in their scope, uh, versus if you say work at a startup and you have to wear every, you're the Jill of all trades, right? You're wearing every single hat across everything. Jill of all trades. Love that. That's great. uh, (laughs) Yes, coining that. Um, But (laughs) the. Um, yeah, and then I, and that actually also it, it is interesting when you think about a lot of a lot of people in this space go in and out of different things. Or say, especially someone who wants to get first exposure to uh, this whole space, becoming a talent development coordinator or a learning and development coordinator or um, a learning operations specialist like there's there's just so much with learning ops too that happens so the people behind the scenes that actually build out um the whole experience say with registering mm. for the training what's that training feel like when somebody is in front of you facilitating but there's all these different things happening with like say uh, um using a virtual platform that you're using for the actual experience um and then the follow up pieces, right? And then kind of the re envisioning or reiteration of, uh, reiteration of the content. Um, so yeah, I I think there's just like so many different avenues, and especially I think that's why it's also very exciting to be in this space, and always mm-hmm. feel like there's going to be something to do and um, to learn and to 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 do. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And then. <laughs> um, and then there's like a ton, I think, of, you know, consulting type external firms that do specific training. So people manager training specifically or technical training specifically or um, Have you heard of logic life management? Lives? Yes, I have. I yeah. love, love life, life labs. Love, yes. Yeah. This is so
1: wild. Love I feel like, like so much of what you're describing like overlaps with so much of what I think is included in like consulting for instance that now that you mention it mm. and also like just leadership responsibilities and like the existing teams and as well as like this whole world of like like what are those like coach coaches and like public speakers cuz they they also like want to embody and like communicate the same sort of things so it's like it's so wild to me that the breadth of what you cover I don't yeah, know. there's no question there. Cover... I
2: just—it's <laughs> true. No, it's true. I think, um, I think, and, and I would even say, the most savvy learning professionals are also really good at being uh, strategic partners to the business, and oftentimes, mm. that means someone who, say, when a leader comes to you and says, "My team is having trouble giving feedback to each other. We need a feedback training." Instead of saying, Okay, let me run at a feedback training, if you could be really savvy and, and feel the confidence to pause and ask the, the right questions, you can actually help to lead that leader in a completely different path. You know, like instead of mm-hmm. delivering the training, it's actually let's dive deep on where are the actual communication breakdowns happening. Is it is it truly the need for a feedback training or is it something else mm. entirely? Is it more manager upskilling? Is it that certain Pockets of the team don't feel a lot of psychological safety, and so that's right. why, you know, that that's happening. um It seems like being so, curious, yeah. Is, yes, yeah,
0: very integral to your role.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm curious if yeah. you if, it, if you would. Oh, <laughs> I'm curious. curious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious if if you would um like mention like if you if there's other kind of standout skills or personality traits that you feel like would lend. Um, itself well to, like, whoever wants to have, like, a long career in this space?
2: Yeah, definitely. I would say the I think the, the role itself draws people who enjoy interacting with other people, building social connections. Uh, I think it really does draw people and, and you kind of have to have a passion for helping other people grow mm-hmm. in their careers uh, especially you know it's kind of similar to, to people management right like you want to help other people develop and you want to help unblock other people um, you can't really go in and be like going for the glory and the solo mm-hmm. journey because that's not at all what you're going to be doing in your day-to-day uh, and I think yeah just as Jen you mentioned like you have to really be curious you have to be I think flexible with a lot of different Changes and then also, it, one of the ways I've seen, especially, learning and development just as a, an entire organization change is um, this shift from being a kind of delivery function to like more of a strategy, higher level kind of like. Thinking across, like, what does organizational development look like? What does, hmm. um, yeah, what does, like, leadership development is a completely different piece I think than saying, oh, we're going to deliver this set of trainings across this yearly calendar. You know, it's like a completely oh, different, I think, piece. Yeah, so I think it, now, at least, what I'm seeing, and and also, um there's like so much techno technological change that's happened to Like, and I can't even speak to this, but I think especially in roles or companies um, where you have so many different types of workforces, like people mm. who are, you know, in retail spaces, like that type of learning is so different than say in a corporate space where most of the people are in tech or like working for Palm or, you know, it, it's just like, there's so much there too. So I think, um, yeah, that curiosity piece is super important, and just like learning about your audience and learning about the the people. Um, and you definitely cannot do like a one size fits all. This is gonna mm-hmm. work for everyone, <laughs> even yeah. though it's, it's hard not to want to do that because you also oftentimes are working with such limited resourcing. Right. Um, I would say, unfortunately, even though a lot of you know companies leaders really value the learning function. It often also times at times becomes kind of one of the first things to look at from a budget perspective to cut because yeah yeah you know it's not it's not revenue generating in the way that you can visibly see other revenue generating functions. Yeah, I, I feel was going that. Ask too, about that too. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. go ahead. I'm in customer experience generally, mm-hmm. and
0: that's another like cost center uh, that gets cut pretty often. Mm-hmm. And also, I think a lot of people go from experience to learning because there's this inherent, I want to help people. And then mm-hmm. you want to graduate from being a punching bag to actually like having relationships with people that you can help. And it's a great in-between of uh, helping people, but with management you kind of feel like you're their parent a little bit at times. And so it's this, Wise aunt or uncle type of role of you can trust them, but they're not going to tell you what to do necessarily. It's it's a really nice middle ground if that's something that particularly interests someone in what they do for a living. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, I was going to ask about no that question. too. Is yeah, <laughs> I was going to ask about that too. Just kind of like, do you do you find yourself like in the role having to do that? that proof like where where you're like showing the impact of specific workshops or specific trainings or like mm. investments that were made and having to like vie for budget like does that is that part of the job in your experience
2: yeah and I would say certainly probably more at this point or again depending on the type of company that you're in a, in a Startup, you definitely, I think, have to justify every dollar that you're looking to spend. And how does that connect Mm to, you know, higher level goals or the team functioning more effectively or in a more productive way? Um, And I think that's also why talent development oftentimes also ends up owning a lot of the talent management space, um, like performance management and performance reviews or um, feedback conversations, career. Check-ins and conversations I think that oftentimes also falls under the talent development umbrella because all of those things kind of connect and especially mm-hmm. because, um, yeah, like like you said, um, Gen Androids like it is a cost center and um, you can have. I think I've always had the the privilege of, of working for companies where leaders really value the function. And so there is investment that's made and there is a little bit more, I think um, autonomy or, or just flexibility given to, to run with certain things and to experiment with certain things. But I would say, especially, I mean, right now, especially, I think it's, it's really important to be able mm-hmm. to pull in the right type of people data um, or you know, just like, it's not just about X, Y, the things were attended by this percentage it's it's now how does this connect to retention and um to the the top talent that we're investing in at a company or um the way that teams are are more connected cross functionally you know mm-hmm. things like that so mm-hmm.
0: I wanted to ask back to your winding road question, because you were thinking you were going to be a paralegal and then you were in research. So what was it about getting into the learning space that made you decide to stick with it? Because it sounds like you were conscientious of this isn't for me, this isn't for me. So I'm wondering what that moment was when you decided to stick with it.
2: Yeah, I... I think it goes to, I think it's because it it kind of married a lot of the things that I'd already loved doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there is the research component. There is a program and content building and uh, creation component to it. And then there is this other delivery component. And I think different from research and consulting where you're oftentimes building something and then delivering something and not seeing an end result Um, Mm -hmm. being part of something that felt more like I got to see the end to end of, of the program or the, you know, in, in, and oftentimes sometimes it's like, well, I'm now, now repeatedly maintaining this program that I built and maybe it feels a little like monotonous or route, especially when it comes to say new hire onboarding and kind of trying to repeat that experience for every person that comes into a company. And it can feel very, repetitive and, and very like, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. but I think because understanding that it this type of role pulls all of those different areas that were interesting to me together and into the same thing. it just feels like there's there are endless possibilities mm-hmm. um, and I think as I was building more confidence in what this role could look like mm-hmm. um, yeah there's just there's just a lot of neat ways, neat things that you can do. <laughs> It makes me want to get into and it. It's different, like, yeah.
1: I'm like, There's I know. So much- come on in.
0: <laughs>
1: There's
2: yeah, like jump so on much in. Water's running
0: like, over here. Um, I've told you, like, I I feel like Joyce is so aligned with people. So like sometimes, like, but I mean, 100%. but that's also what, but that's why it's also so good that you're in that type of role in an engineering com- capacity because you know, you do want people that care about Mm -hmm. their employees and their development as the stakeholders in those lanes. So I mean, I mean, Joyce, you could just do whatever you want, honestly. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. I just I can just continue partnering with people like Jade and just nerd out about all this (laughs) stuff. Um, But uh, but I wanted to follow up on that question because it seems like like this is such a great role for people who are looking to transition into like, you know, out, out Mm. of something or into something. Um, but how, like, how challenging is that like in real life? Like, it sounds like, like you said earlier, it's, it's about like finding an opportunity that takes a chance on you. Right. Um, are there, are there specific kind of things that people can do to like, I don't know, take courses or put something on their resume that would help in that sort of transition? Because like, Especially if you're coming from something that is not like uh, immediately related, I can see it being like very challenging. Like for instance, like I have friends um, who are looking to get into tech from teaching, and L and D comes up a lot. But because that that mapping of industries is so disparate, I'm curious if, like, from your perspective if you have seen or or just in your experience, what you would recommend for people who are looking to transition?
2: Hmm. Yeah, I I would say, yeah, It it is hard to take, to kind of get through that first, I don't know, ball of say even transitioning from an industry to industry. Um, and specifically, I think education to, internal learning and development um, can be really tough because it is, there is that kind of technology component. There's just like a lot there. Um, and I also see like teachers who say go into a customer education side of the house, which is like the external side of learning. So oftentimes you see like learning um, designers who are mm-hmm. actually more their external focus. And, and what we're talking about today, of course, is like internal, Um, but I would say like the transferable skills that are really important, um, to, to tap into, especially if you're interested in, in this type of space, like talent development. Um, a lot of it is, I I do think there's a component of presentation skills or just your Mm -hmm. ability to connect with people, to communicate, to have conversations that don't feel completely awkward or just i mean maybe this awkward so who knows um, oh no, no But i've been thinking this
0: whole time that you've been talking you do such a good job of like having a lot of content but in a digestible format yeah. and yeah. you you're also engaging i'm watching you and you're engaging mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it's
2: you're doing a good job yeah. well thanks thanks um I wasn't looking for external validation, but I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think it is something. I think Aren't it we has, all always, always looking always. for it? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, and I and I do think that is a component of it. Like someone who can be in front of an audience, regardless of like the size of an audience, and still have a way to connect. Um, mm-hmm. And then, or you know and that's i think more of the learning facilitation path but if you say you want to go into like learning systems it's also getting really up to speed on systems on being able to handle i think any given this is lots of different roles but handling stup- multiple priorities at once moving projects so i think project management program management's really important um i also think that if you are interested in in this space being the culture champion of wherever you are right now like someone who takes on helping the new hire or the new team member get onboarded um that's like a taste too of what that could look like or being the person that helps plan the off-site or the mm. um you know getting involved from the employee resource group side or um, bringing in the diversity and engagement belonging type concepts to your team, um, being that type of person that's kind of leading by example, um, and set like role, um, what is it? Um, yeah, like uh, just setting that example for your team. I think that's oftentimes the role that aunt or the person who knows how to step back in a conversation. Ask the question that then facilitates another conversation. That's also, some, or, or you know, ask those coaching questions. That's, mm-hmm. a, I think, a different path too. But um, I would say those things are important, and then it will really depend on the values of the company or the the team that you're jumping into. Um, because I think you also at least is my, my experience, you really do have to look for places that are going to care about, invest in right. and want to continue to um, explore what like career development, talent development looks like for their employees mm-hmm. um, and can't just be a company that says like, Oh yeah, we, we do that. But if they actually aren't, you know, acting, yeah. um, More for recruitment and not actually to maintain
0: and retain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What would you say the hard parts of the job are? And and I know it's all hard, like it's all effort. It's all, but what are the things that drain you about the
2: job? Mm -hmm. I would say a lot of things. I mean, obviously there's like challenging parts, but um, some of the hardest parts I think are, Joyce, you asked that question, right, of, of how often do you have to prove value mm. or, um, you know, show the worth of programs or show mm. uh, why you're doing something. And while sometimes that can be super exciting to do and to be like, yeah, I know exactly how this connects and I'm going to show them how this is this is this and it's really energizing. A lot of times it's also it can be really draining and and challenging because you constantly feel like you have to prove um, your worth or your ideas or um, why are we doing this? Um, I think other times it's also hard when say, again, and I say this because I, I also feel like, again, I have had the luxury of working with leaders that really understand like a choice and understand and care about this type of stuff. But if you're working with a leader who doesn't, See your value, or thinks that they're the expert, or thinks that they know what should be done. That is a very hard position to be in, and Jen. This was triggering me I
0: Joyce knows. Yeah. I had, I had a lot of people know. I had someone that I worked with that was like my peer. I don't want to say arch nemesis. No, no, <laughs> not a peer. Uh, well, they were a peer, but yeah. Uh, yeah. but I. Uh, yeah, But I mean, this was definitely a situation of, I'm an expert. Why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you retaining my employees? Uh, then we change something and they're like, no, not like that. And it's, it's, it's very demeaning because, it, and I find this with a lot of roles like customer experience and learning that are mm-hmm. inherently emotional and about people is mm. it really it really hurts to take something that's as intangible as learning and have to qualify it and then have people question you on it. And, um, and also sometimes even use it as the scapegoat when they need to, to yeah. say, well, I'd be doing everything I needed to be doing if only learning, you know, or right. training. And you're like, get off my
2: mm-hmm. freaking butt, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes. I'm sorry. I- yeah. No, it's true. Um, Can I, I tell also, you? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Sorry, this is like um, this is me uh, getting real. And I don't think that this person would ever listen to the podcast. But this person legit at one point on a meeting when we were talking about training, my nemesis, um, introduced the fact that they were going to bring on their own director of training into their department. And I Whoa. never it was never brought up to me. And I and I, I think I was like a, maybe a month away from uh having put in my notice, but I already knew I was. And I I I think I I, I think I blacked out and went a little wild on that call. But uh, uh, but no, I mean, I it's just like I don't know if you can relate to feelings like that. I'm sure no one
2: has done something like that to you, but or if they yeah. do, I'm
0: sorry. Yeah. But
2: yeah, yeah. Not not like that, but I you do make me think about I think one of the things too that's you have like say so I'm in a centralized function, talent development, and it, like I was mentioning, there's oftentimes technical learning teams or mm-hmm. there's a sales mm-hmm. and customer success learning or customer experience, and that also I mean, you, you end up finding these wonderful partners within those groups because they also are learning people. So you're like, okay, yes, we all get it. We enjoy this type of work. We're in it for, you know, all these different reasons. But that also I think can sometimes be a challenge because you as the more centralized learning person have to think about what company-wide looks like Mm -hmm. and they get to go much more narrow in function, um, learning and, and training and, uh, Oftentimes, it can it can feel from the user, like the end user, which is like the employee or the manager, can be like, what are all these things that are coming at me? And why don't they feel more unified? Mm-hmm. Um, so that also can be, you know, challenging. But, oof, Jen, that's pretty brutal, <laughs> that experience that you had. Sorry, I didn't funny. mean
0: to no. use
2: this as a, <laughs> a popping off
0: point. <laughs> but, but, but that is a good Let- point. Just like, just the
1: the intangibility of, of the value. That's like probably like a constant theme that you have to like keep in mind. Um, but I actually wanted to ask about, um, your, well, like, because of the fact that there's this balancing role of, you know, like evangelizing, like building relationships, representing like the, the value of, of the content, but also building the content yourself. Like what does your, like, normal day to day, maybe even week look like? Is it, is it mostly like the, the creation of, of training, like content and workshops or stuff like that? Or is it mostly like, you know, building relationships, like meetings and things like that?
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I will say you definitely have to have really good calendar management in this role, Mm. um, and be able to plan ahead especially if you're in a delivery side of the L and D house, like learning and development house, um, because it and is delivery. The all delivery is things. like, and like delivery, meaning like the facilitating of the training or right. being the presenter of the training or the production side of it. Um, and sometimes you get to a point, say where you're working with an external vendor, like the life labs and they have a more regular cadence calendar that you set up. And it's a little bit less, intensive for you to think mm. about, okay, what's next? And how do I prepare for that? Um, but some of that preparation is like getting people into the room and how, you know, the attendance and the tracking of that, and then also the the feedback collection afterwards. Um, and so I feel like I'm talking about like an amalgamation of all these different roles that I've had at any given time and what that looks like, but I would say, it just will depend on the type of role that you're in mm-hmm. and the type of team. Mm-hmm. If you have a bigger learning team, um, but it generally, say when I was in a learning partner role, my days were, yeah, they were. there was a lot going on. So, say at the beginning of the week, you carve out the time to um, uh, work on, you know, maybe you're delivering a training in the morning, like a new hire onboarding training, and then you have, um, some focus time where you're building out um, the content. Uh, And then you set up some meetings with people either to validate that content or um, run it by your team or to pilot it or to test it out. Um, Also, maybe leaders across the company have been asking you for help on certain things that they want to run in their teams. Or um, so you have meetings like the more scoping meetings where you're asking those initial questions of what do you want to achieve and what do you want the outcomes to be like what what's going on with your team currently Mm. why now why do you need this type of content um that's like that more consulting side of Mm. like more solutions customized delivery of training um and then also yeah if you're running a program that's much more cyclical in nature then there's just Mm -hmm. that maybe takes up a lot of your day um Mm -hmm. And it will depend because you also time zones are a really big thing to think about now because mm-hmm. um, you know as global companies you might be delivering mm-hmm. a training at seven a.m. Pacific time and four p.m. Pacific time for different audiences in Amia mm-hmm. or, or Europe or or whatnot or Asia in Asia pack. So that wait,
0: what was the first one? Amia. Amia.
2: Yeah. What's that? I think that's a. It's, uh, acronym for Europe, Middle East, and something else. Oh. Yeah. That's something I
0: learned yeah, And today. Africa.
2: AMIA. Yes. AMIA. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so I asked the question about what drains you, but what would you say gives you energy about the job? A
2: lot of things, which I think is why I'm just pumped about the talent development space and why I think more people should be part of it. Um. I, I really do find energy when, you well when I get to interact with a group of people who have little like light bulb moments or sparks, mm-hmm. and you get to see that either whether it's like even in a, a Slack channel or something, like, mm-hmm. you just kind of see things happening, mm-hmm. um, that gives me a ton of energy. I think being able to bring together different ideas and put them into something that feels like you just said before, Jen, like taking a really big thing and being able to distill it down into a little bit more digestible pieces for, for a group Mm -hmm. or an audience, like that is energizing. Um, Yeah. I think, I think those are the things. And then a lot of it too is, is that just connecting with people. Right. So I feel like very lucky oftentimes in my role because I do think uh, this role and and a lot of people functions a lot of those like centralized functions you get to interact with so many parts of the business that you're building Mm. relationships and partnerships with people in different ways and oftentimes it's a way it's a more positive relationship building because it's you're not taking things away from people you're oftentimes giving people things Mm. skills or ideas or just opportunities Mm. to take a break and a breather from their day-to-day work and so that is also very energizing to me um yeah. and again another pull into this space like why it's it's cool i, th- I feel like especially where companies can feel really siloed um i oftentimes mm. feel very lucky that i don't feel very siloed. like i get yeah. to be very cross-functional in the way i work you're the person like running between all the silos <laughs> yeah <laughs> but and and, then, and it's that that can be challenging too right because it's like well i yeah. see across these things but Nobody else. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, should we do Joyce? Do
2: you want to get into lightning? Or- I was just about to suggest the same thing. Spinning?
0: Yeah. Lightning round, baby. You do you have one? Okay. Not yet. So if you do, go. Okay. Um, my yes. first question
1: um, if you weren't doing this, what would you like? Let's say like talent development wasn't the thing. Right. What would you be doing instead?
2: Ooh. Um, I think like a dumpling food truck if I really could do anything. I'd like wow. be doing soup dumplings out of a food truck.
1: Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jen, do you have...
2: That's uh, like my secret um, future career that so you just learned that. I love podcast. that. That's so <laughs> not what I was expecting
0: from that question, but I love it. Okay. My question is, is what are the typical hours like and schedule like for someone in your role?
2: Uh, it really depends and I would say you can do a typical nine to five or it really just depends on the kind of business hours of your company um, but I would also say there's probably some flexibility in that because oftentimes if you're delivering or facilitating trainings like that can be the anchor points of your day and Um, or, you know, the, um, other pieces of that, like, like that could be, yeah.
0: I have one. Do you have any, uh, podcasts or books or things around the topic of your job that you would recommend? Um, yes,
2: I, Podcasts. I I love listening to podcasts and I would say I really enjoy how I built this
0: podcast,
2: Mm -hmm. Um, acquired podcasts about every company has story about podcast acquisition. (laughs) Um, Anything with Adam Grant, to be honest, (laughs) Um, like his uh, work life, TED podcast or rethinking, Mm. um, unlocking us with Brene Brown, those Mm, are all mm -hmm. podcasts. Um, and then, yeah, I do a lot of, I feel like most of my, well, I do a lot of audiobooks right now. Mm. Um, I think that's kind of the way that I digest, um, uh, books right now. But I think just doing a quick scan, yeah, like, you know kind of a mix of things but i i like leadership development type books like mm-hmm. um i'm reading the chancellor or listening to the chancellor right now about angela merkel Ooh. and um let me see what else uh think again by adam grant blueprint um there's a another book about like um I think it's about yeah, about like organizational systems and Ooh. you know
0: that one was called the yeah. blueprint blueprint. Yeah, I'm I'm trying
1: to like scribble all these down. These are all great mm-hmm. suggestions. I almost feel like Jade you could write a book. Cuz <laughs> no. there's like so much there's so there's such a breadth of content here that like, you know, like like when you were talking about um how to how to synthesize like complex Um, Ideas into like digestible bits, Um, and then there's also Mm. the side of like how to um, how to translate the value of something so intangible um, to like leaders and like all that. Like there's there's just so much stuff that it could be so interesting. (laughs) You could totally write a book. I would totally read it.
2: Well, thank you. You can be my audience of one. Two, Every I'll two. read it. Two,
0: and thanks. And then we'll give it free uh, advertising on our podcast. So that'll yeah. d- definitely extend it out to three people. Exactly. Probably, uh, exactly. After that. So so we just doubled your, your uh, readership. I appreciate
2: that. That's perfect.
0: Uh, I hope you're listening, Penguin Publishing, because you got a hot deal over here.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Jade, this makes so much sense. Like, knowing you and like all the things that you're great at like this whole conversation has made so much sense like oh my gosh like this is why she (laughs) does what she does and she's so great at it um and it's it's been such a pleasure having you on this conversation and thank you so much for being so generous with your time um i I hope that this is like helpful to the three listeners (laughs) (laughs) um but uh but yeah thanks so much jade Thank you both.
2: Um, it's been really fun to be on um, this conversation with the two of you and also to see this clearly brings both of you energy. So this is really awesome. I, I love it. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Jade. And we will be right
0: back. Podcast. We just got done talking with Jade, and you know what's so weird is I didn't know too much about Jade going into this, which was actually kind of fun way mm-hmm. of going about the interview of almost yeah. blindly, mm-hmm. but this was one of them that I actually have done this job a little right. bit um, mm-hmm not not I never foc- it was never my primary job, mm-hmm. but I oversaw it and developed it, and so it was really interesting, especially for like the purpose of our podcast to talk to someone else that you know had a little like had definitely more experience than I had in the in the area, yeah, yeah,
1: definitely, and like it was it was so cool, kind of like hearing how your experience in experience <laughs> your experience. <laughs> in the experience side, um, kind of overlaps with some of like the, you know, the the, the pros and cons, um, if you will, of the, the learning side of things too. Like there's a lot of similar themes, mm-hmm. um, similar focuses. And yeah, it was just really cool to hear that from your perspective as
0: well. And I think too, one of the components about learning and experience that pull people in is the human element,
1: right? but Mm -hmm. it's a double-edged
0: sword, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you go into something because you like people and you like the connection and the the good feelings of it all, when Mm -hmm. you're doing that at a business, there's always going to be another side of it of like proving yourself or having to talk to people that disagree, like not even disagree because disagreeing is fine, but that aren't it doesn't feel like a team effort. So, it can be hard because you care so deeply and in doing so, that can make the harder parts harder, but if you mm-hmm. didn't care so deeply, it would make the good parts less good. So, it's you yeah. you kind of have to be in a, comfortable with extremes, right? To right. a degree to do a job like this, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of like a similar challenge that like mission-driven companies provide for, for their employees. Like you're in like nonprofits, right? Like I haven't worked at a nonprofit, but like my understanding is that like there is a lot of that passion that drives the, the day-to-day business. But at the same time, it's like a double-edged sword because like there is that, that flip side where either it, it's just like, it it almost is like too much, like you said.
0: Yeah. But I mean, it's, I do think it's really good for people that want to feel connected to people and Mm -hmm. it's it is such a great feeling to see when someone's learned something or that you've opened up their mind. I mean, I I still think about there's we talked about it on the podcast. It's this thing called life labs. Mm-hmm. And when I worked at Squarespace, they had life labs contracted. And so we could take life lab courses. Mm-hmm. And I took this one and it blew my mind just how they structured it. But I still think about um there's like efficiency training and habit forming training and like how to like understand how you view time. And I one of the things mm-hmm. that they taught us was it was an exercise. You had a column of letters, a column of numbers, and a column of Roman numerals. And Mm -hmm. the first, what you were supposed to do is uh, up to 10, you go one column at a time, number, letter, Roman numeral, number, letter, Roman numeral, and you write them all down. Oh, I think I did this too. Yeah. I I definitely make, I've put it into a lot of trainings that I've done. But then Uh the next part of it is you do that. And then uh you do it again, but then you just focus on a column at a time. So you do one through ten uh in the numbers and then like the first ten letters and then the first ten Roman numerals. And it's mm-hmm. an exercise to show that multitasking actually isn't that effective because your oh, yeah. brain is switching. And I I I mean that I got that from a work training. And mm-hmm. it's something that I think about in my everyday. So I don't know. It's 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 kind of cool to be able to be impactful when we're talking about you know companies that are just making their money and <laughs> you know it's like it's so hard to feel uh, anything mm-hmm. when when it comes to how corporations have to run. Yeah, yeah. There's almost like a like a
1: uh, a benefit of kind of being internal facing on yeah on the on this side of things you know like the people side of things it's it feels um, it's altruistic, a little more pro- almost yeah it's a little more protected like the, yes, your your it. goals are more aligned um yeah there's something there's something there but yeah like the 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 lifelong example that you have um like all of the kind of like trainings that I've been to I've absolutely freaking loved like like yeah. all of this stuff all of this content is like stuff that i want to consume anyways like the, like the books that um that jade was talking about i'm like oh yeah 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 these are all like totally on my alley um like this is the stuff that i like to spend my free time doing anyways yeah and so it's and actually come to think of it i like i, I feel like i have several friends who do exactly what what jade um does um and we just nerd out on this stuff all the time and
0: it's just I love it. I think you'd you'd be really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be really freaking good at it. But this who is am I this to is saying?
1: yeah, we talked about this in the other and, and I forget which episode. But yeah, this is my this is my problem is all of the jobs sound too fun. So fun. I think
0: you just need to make a coffee shop where yeah, uh that's right. where all of the things that you like, like there's, there's, I don't know, like there's like a learning learning pod. There, there's like a learning shop. corner.
1: Yeah. And it's oh, like- you know what I should do? I should work with Jade on the food truck, and then I oh. could
0: I could do the coffee, and then she could do the dumplings. <laughs> coffee and dumplings. God, that doesn't sound like it goes. But <laughs> I know. Imagine the logo. I'm just imagining like this little coffee and he's smiling or she, who cares? And then like a dumpling and uh, and it, they all have they both have faces and they're holding hands and you're oh like Oh my gosh. Oh, you wouldn't expect them to be together, yep. but there they are. They're That's in love. So coffee and dumplings. Coffee and dumplings.
1: Yeah, totally does not sound like something you want at the same time.
0: But you know what? all all innovations start somewhere, and maybe this is the the starting off point where we realize coffee and steaming hot dumplings oh just gosh. have a are match made in a heaven yum 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 yum, wash down your dumplings with a steaming hot cup of coffee <laughs> with a with a side of learning obviously Wait, we, we need to, yeah, so the side of learning, we need to mm-hmm. go to poor Paul and we need to pitch this. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. With- Boy, <laughs> do we have a deal for you. You're not
1: going to want to pass this up. Yep, yep. Coffee, dumplings, and learning. Nuff yeah, said. Enough said. The pitch. Uh, money, please. Money, please. Let's money, go. Money, please. <laughs> Wait, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, would you ever do this? I feel like your your career totally like lines up well with this. Side of things.
0: Yeah, I mean, the question really becomes, would I want to do it again or would I want to go focus, yeah. into it and focus on it? Mm-hmm. Um I could see I do enjoy it, but I think I'm finding, especially based off of my little anecdote of getting frustrated, is I do think that there's an element of patience that is needed in this type of job. Mm-hmm. And I don't always exercise that. <laughs> so I I don't know. I mean, it it's hard, right? Because I think maybe if I didn't have the experience I had, I would have more stamina to like jump in and, you know, get a little bruised from it. But since I know what it takes at times, I'm like, I mean, it's so many of the things we talk about that at the end, I'm like Ugh, that just seems exhausting. Like <laughs> I don't wanna do that. So I don't know. That's that's why I still think on our on our series finale, okay. We're gonna we're gonna be podcasters. We're gonna be like, It was podcasting a whole lot. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Whatever. It it'll be what it is. Uh we should we should interview a podcaster. <laughs> We yeah we should interview each other and then we're like but what do we do and it's like we are podcasters uh, I don't know everyone's a podcaster I mean I've said it so many times uh, off off recording but the, everyone should know the barrier to entry to podcasting is so so low low mm-hmm. that, like you're like oh my god there's so many podcasts yeah because it literally takes four clicks to do it's right, insane right. so. But, Not to diminish what we're doing because I think what we're doing is freaking awesome, but um yeah. but we but, but, I don't. but we we it would be interesting to
1: talk to a podcaster who makes money
0: uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> as just fishing for some kind of funny thing to say, but yeah, no, it's I mean it's advertising, that's how you make money, and so but to yeah. advertise, you need to have listeners and to know what your listeners are you need to remember what your spotify login is to see what the the stats are i mean literally we could have hundreds of thousands of listeners but i don't know because i forgot which account we're uploading these to and i can't and and i have such an old spotify account that i like it doesn't like do do password resets the same way so we could be like Top 10 in <laughs> iTunes podcast or something. We could and be
1: raking in the dough, you're saying?
0: We could, yeah. I, I do. I mean, every once in a while we get like a cold email about some podcast platform being like, you want, and I'm just like, eh, whatever. But yeah, all I'm saying is <laughs> more people could be listening than we know. Uh, yeah. So, I guess. So give no. us a shout out. Yeah. <laughs> On the social media, if you're listening, I guess. Okay. And our social part. media
1: is so what do you do pod. Pod. P-O-D. Yes. Pod. Yeah. So and you can check us out that's there.
0: That's our that's our TikTok too, right?
1: Yep. Yep. It's both our TikTok and our Instagram. And you can see that there are <laughs>
0: like Jen said, hundreds of thousands of <laughs> I, <laughs> hundreds of Hundreds, hundreds thousands. of thousands. Uh, yep. And our Myspace is <laughs> – no, I'm just joking. We don't have a Myspace. Um, I don't but, think I ever had yeah. a Myspace. Did you? Get out, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think so. I loved customizing it. Yeah, was there jam. was – I, like, looked at my
1: friends, but – Oh, actually, I went as Myspace – was it Myspace? Yeah, I think I went as Myspace for Halloween. And it was And you didn't have a MySpace? And I didn't have a MySpace. And that was like the joke, but also the best. It was like one of the best costumes I've ever made because it was blank. And so people filled it out like as I walked around campus. And so you know how like they had like the four friends, or not four, eight.
0: Oh yeah. Like Tom would be one of them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I had Tom on there, obviously. And then um and then I had empty cells. And so people (sighs) would like draw their themselves in and like Put their names on, and it Good was choice. so cute. It That's was so clever, so great. It was so. Great. I didn't even. Too. Yeah, and it was like easy. It was just like a blank cardboard that I like put colored paper on. And honestly, yeah. I hadn't thought too much about like the interaction part, but it ended up being the best part of the costume for sure. Oh my
0: God. And were people? I mean, I don't want to presume because it's college, but I'm assuming people were intoxicated. Oh, sorry, sorry. This wasn't college. This was high school. Okay, Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. people weren't legally allowed to be (laughs) intoxicated. Yes, that's that's correct. Yeah, That's great. all right. Mm-hmm. I won't. I won't implicate you. In what the statute <laughs> of limitations are? Um. Well, I think. I mean, that was a great one. Uh. Mm-hmm. Really excited. And yeah, if you're listening, and since we know that you, uh, you know, stopped driving, pulled to the side, and took out a pen to write down our social media. Um. But uh, if you want to get in touch with what you'd like to see, or you think you have a career that would be fun to, uh, show on our podcast let us know we're we're curious little cats about this
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: so what do you do pod yeah on all of the social medias but with Mm -hmm. that I think I'll outro us this has been your most recent episode of so what do you do again my name is Jen and I'm and we'll see you next time good bye